The Big Scary Show is brought to you in part by Dark Imaginings. Web design, creepy changing portraits, and much, much more. DarkImaginings.com For the deepest, darkest grooves, to the backwoods swamp where you hit the bottom, for the inside of your casket, to the fears lying deep inside your subconscious, it's time for a big, scary show. <laughs> Hey, this is Dee Snyder, and you're listening to The Big Scary Show. That's right. Hello, creeps. It's me, John Kassir, the voice of The Crypt Keeper. <laughs> and you're listening to The Big Scary Show, the top podcast in the industry. <laughs> Hi, this is Chad Savage from SinisterVisions.com, and you are listening to The Big Scary Show. <laughs> Hi, it's me, Mommy D, and you're listening to The Big Scary Show. You're listening to The Big Scary Show with... Three big scary man and one that wears more makeup than I do. Halloween is almost upon us, listeners. And welcome to the Big Scary Show. On our roundtable of terror, we talk to Rebecca and John about the Halloween capital of the world. And it may not be where you think it is. You'll have to listen to find out more. Storm brings us a classic bit from Halloween 2015. We've got the Haunstrumentalist Jerry Vane spinning not one, not two, not three, not four, but five spooky tunes to get you into the mood. We've got extra horror movie trailers. Meat Hook Jim ventures to Indonesia for expensive funeral rituals in between the corpses. While Storm rants on about candy delivery systems. Badger, of course, brings you the latest in deadline news. And Weister rounds it out with his haunted vista entitled Halloween 2020 Thoughts and Ruminations. We've got a jam packed show for you here. So sit down, start carving that pumpkin, and enjoy the latest episode of the Big Scary. Show. Enter the haunted world of Fright Find and discover an environment dedicated 
to promoting your haunt. Target customers who will influence others on attending haunt attractions as Fright Find brings in scream seekers looking for haunted places, events, and accommodations of every sort. Various exposure options give you the ability to reach your audience throughout the year. Don't be afraid. Go to FrightFind.com now to add your haunt for free and see for yourself the difference FrightFind will make in your haunt listing. And ladies and gentlemen, let's see if we have a winner for the October gruesome giveaway. You know, in the month of October, it's got to be extra special because it is now time for the reveal of the gruesome giveaway sponsored by Screamline Studios. Last show, we asked a question. Answer was in the show. Out of all the responses we got, we selected this name. So I think we have them on the line. Random person, what is your name? Where are you located? My name is Evan Madigan, and I'm from Whitman, Mass. Whitman, Mass. What's that near? I'm not familiar. Uh, 20 minutes south of Boston. Okay, very good. I'm not familiar with Massachusetts too much, so there we go. So, Evan... Before we find out if you are indeed the winner, I need to ask you a couple of quick legal questions. Number one, have we contacted you in any way, shape, or form other than to tell you when to call in? No. All right. Question number two, have you tried to entice us to pick your name via bribery or anything like that? No, not at all. (laughs) Fantastic. All right, Evan Madigan of Whitman, Massachusetts. I don't have the question in front of me, so I'm going to paraphrase it. On the last show, we asked this. Storm said during the last roundtable that he had the funniest line he has ever heard uttered at his haunted attraction. What was that funniest line he's ever heard? He said, I guess we follow the chicken. And you would be absolutely right. I guess we follow the chicken. I don't know the story. I'm going to have to talk to him at some time. Uh, You're closer. Maybe you should go down to Warwick and find out what he meant by that. But uh, anyway, congratulations, Evan Madigan. You are the October Gruesome Giveaway winner. Thank you very much. Absolutely. We love doing it. Our friends at Screamline Studios love giving away these prizes. So, Evan, do you work for a haunt? Do you act? Do you do a yard display? Do you do anything in the industry? I work for Barrett's Haunted Mansion in Abington, Massachusetts. I've been there for about seven years. Um, I'm acting manager. Um, I build and I act as well. So. Oh wow, jack of all trades. Yeah. Did you just have a recent loss at your haunt? Yes, one of my dear, dear friends, Michael Pearson, has passed away. So we actually just had a fundraiser night for him two nights ago, which was a great success and a great honor to his life. He was a great, great addition to that haunt. Our condolences. I believe we mentioned him on the news and honored him with a moment of silence. Yes. But once again... I appreciate that. Oh, absolutely. But once again, Evan Madigan of Whitman, Massachusetts. It's this month's gruesome giveaway. If you didn't win for October, for we'll do it again for November. And again, thank you to Screamline Studios for all these fantastic gifts that we give away. Hang on the line, Evan. We'll get some shipping information from you. And we want to thank you for listening to The Big Scary Show. Jerry Vane. Empty inside. On The Big Scary Show.
Hello folks, it's Drew Badger. This is Deadline News for episode 222. And we're going to do something we haven't done in a while. We're going to start off with some news on our 10,600th like on Facebook. The Big Scary Show would like to recognize Nathan Vanderjack of Topeka, Kansas for being our 10,600th like on Facebook. Thank you for listening, Nathan, and we hope you'll continue to do so. Remember, folks, for every 100th like, we will give you a shout-out. So once again, thank you, Nathan Vanderjack of Topeka, Kansas. You can like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at The Big Scary Show, Instagram at Big Scary Show, and listen to us on all the streaming platforms, and of course, at BigScaryShow.com. We have this news from the Women in Horror Film Festival 2021 coming to Atlanta. The Women in Horror Film Festival is thrilled to announce our special guest jurors for 2021. These extremely talented members of the horror and film communities will be choosing the nominations and winners from the official selections that will be determined by the first round of judging completed by our independent panel of over 30 judges. We are honored to have Heather Langenkamp, Zena Charday Dixon, Adam Marcus, Brian Ashton Smith, S.A. Bradley, and Melissa Kunap supporting the Women in Horror Film Festival. We'll see you all June 10th through the 12th, 2021 at the Strand Theater on the Marietta Square in Atlanta. Get more information on the Women in Horror Film Festival at WIHFF.com. We have this news from the Screamville Haunted Attraction in Knoxville, Tennessee. Come spend Halloween night with Screamville and the East Tennessee Ghost Seekers. They'll be demonstrating some of the state-of-the-art equipment used during an investigation, displaying video footage of the ghostly evidence they've captured, plus they will have actual possessed relics on site. Mark your calendars now and meet the East Tennessee Ghost Seekers this Halloween at Screamville's Cursed Acres. Get more information at their Facebook page, facebook.com slash Screamville Cursed Acres. We have this news from the Endless Night Virtual Vampire Ball in New Orleans and Los Angeles. Endless Night and the House of Blues New Orleans are proud to present the first ever Virtual Vampire Ball on Halloween weekend, October 30th and 31st. This year's theme is Full Moon Masquerade, with a ton of immersions, entertainment, and of course, Fred Samiti, the guardian spirit of the Endless Night events, hosting as the Master of Ceremonies. Because we cannot gather safely in person this year due to government regulations and nationwide travel restrictions, we're looking forward to celebrating in a way unlike ever before. The goal is to set a new world record for the largest virtual vampire gathering in history. Tickets are available at the Endless Night portal at portal.endlessnight.com. We have this news from the Aquabats Kooky Spooky Halloween Party. Join us for an hour of live Halloween fun with the Aquabats. Coming straight to you from a secret bunker in Southern California, the Aquabats have put together a fully produced live show so that we can all get together for Halloween, celebrate the release of Kooky Spooky in stereo, and make up for all the live touring we didn't get to do this year. It's a concert and a party all in one. 
Get tickets and more information at theaquabats.veeps.com. We have this news from the Extreme Fear Square Grounds in Kinston, North Carolina. Extreme Fear Scaregrounds is a brand new haunted attraction coming to Kinston, North Carolina next fall. We're currently seeking a contracted partnership opportunity. If you have experience building sets, managing actors, designing props and lighting, we're interested in hearing from you. This is a contracted paid job, not hourly or salary. You must be available part-time and be able to dedicate time to the business and projects. Some of the requirements are, you must have some experience in the haunted attraction industry. Whether you are an employee, an owner, etc., two years minimum, have management experience and or lighting and design experience, free time to invest as a business partner, and any marketing skills is also a plus. The job begins this January. Email extremefearhaunt at gmail.com with your portfolio and resume and to get more information. And finally, we have this convention news from Spooky Empire in Orlando, Florida. We've decided it's been too long since we've been together and we could all use a little spooky in our lives sooner rather than later. So along with our friends at the Wyndham, we've worked out a simple way to do that. A Spooky Empire pop-up event with an old-school vibe and, of course, with the current state of things in mind. This will be a two-day event, Saturday and Sunday only, with a focus on vendors and celebrity meet-and-greets and autographs. A perfect place to get together and shop just in time for the holidays. While this event may be intimate in nature, it will be Monster Us at heart and jam-packed with Spooky Empire love and vibes. Vendor applications, tickets, and room reservations are available now. Please keep an eye out on our website and watch for updates. We are confirming and updating the site as we speak. We'll see you the weekend of December 12th and 13th. Get more information if you're a vendor you can apply at and find out everything else at SpookyEmpire.com. Remember, folks, if you have news in the haunted house, Halloween, or horror industries, and you want it on the show, email it to us, news at bigscaryshow.com, and we'll get it on the show. No news is too big or too small. This concludes this edition of the Big Scary Show's Deadline News. <laughs> They have never lived before as they live now. One man has already died and the other was never born. Both exist in a world between life and death. Both long to be human. Neither can ever be. Dracula versus Frankenstein. Ten dead men's bodies were used to fashion Dr. Frankenstein's infamous creature. Tens of dozens of victims have kept Count Dracula alive for three centuries. Only one of these beings will survive their meeting. Dracula versus Frankenstein. Brand new thrills, brand new horror, brand new shock. Dracula versus Frankenstein in color, rated GP.
Happy Halloween 2020. Or is it? Hi, listeners. Meat Hook Jim here. Well, you know, this goes without saying, and anybody who doesn't agree is uh, living in a fantasy world. 2020 has been the strangest year on record for a lot of different reasons. Obviously, the, the elephant in the room is is the pandemic, which has just really thrown a monkey wrench into daily life, uh, haunting life. Every everything about life has just been changed because of this. So, my hopes and wishes for you guys this holiday season. The greatest holiday in the year, of course, Halloween, is, you know, just stay safe, social distance when you can, which makes it kind of difficult in a haunted house. Not only that, but it makes it hard for us for us actors that are so used to getting up in your face. And on the good side of things, I can say that the haunts I've been to this season, the actors have done a very good job of trying to scare you from a distance, and sometimes they've succeeded. I've seen several examples where people were scaring people from a distance, which is great. You know, I just, uh, I like the rest of you just want everything to get back to normal. Make Halloween the way we always like it, in your face, spooky, creepy, whatever you call it. Just let's all try to get through this thing together and and keep our fingers crossed that, that next year, 2021, it's going to come roaring back and people are going to be so in your face. Uh, you're not going to know what to do with yourself. And, you know, I'm good with that. I need a good scare in the face sometimes. But to all of you listeners out there, once again, let me say thank you. Thank you for your support over eight and a half years. Hopefully we've got at least eight and a half more in us. Uh, and that all depends on you, the listeners. You guys are what keep us going, and, and, and we're grateful for that. We're grateful for every one of you that tunes into us every other week, uh, as, long, as well as Deadline News on opposing weeks. And for those of you that have you know, won the gruesome giveaway and, and try to win the gruesome giveaway, it's still going strong, so get those entries in there. I mean, you, you can't go wrong with Screamline Studios products. Happy Halloween. Make the most of it. Make the best of it, and uh, let's hope for a better next year. Trick or treat, kiddies. Oh, you look good enough to eat. All of the ghosts and ghouls at darkimaginings.com want to wish you a happy Halloween. Now, get out there and make them scream. darkest reaches of the earth. This is a hot minute. And now, with this week's commentary, Storm. Alright, not sure how it's possible, but we're at the end of October. 
It's almost Halloween. How did this happen? Just felt like a, you know, a short while ago we were trying to figure out why March was taking forever and if the month would ever end, if we'd ever see summer, if we'd ever get to Halloween. And, you know, I was ranting about the need for, you know, the possibility of a socially distanced Halloween and, and candy pulse and, and all that. And, well, here we are. It's now Halloween and we got a socially distance and, and masks and trick-or-treating restrictions and all kinds of strange stuff. And while the candy pulp didn't catch on, and some people toyed with the idea of a slingshot, but the idea of a Jolly Rancher being slingshot at children is, you know, just seems cruel and unusual, uh, we have come up with the candy shoot. But I see a unintended consequence with these candy shoots. Some of us as haunters have seen pictures and they're making them from our second story of our house. Yes, we've gone instead of the six foot candy shoot, we're going 12 plus. Big, huge candy shoots, which are pretty much a large PVC pipe that we shoot the candy down. The candy with its tasseled edges and and thin plastic-like paper and paper-like plastic coverings that, you know, generate a static charge so that, you know, when you open them up, they get stuck on the back of your hand. You're fighting with the, 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 the wrapper to get it off. You know, we're going to send these down six-plus feet of PVC pipe for which we will end up inadvertently creating an electrostatic cannon. That's right, my friends, get ready this Halloween, because we're going to be seeing flashes of blue light as we've shoved the hundredth snicker bar down our candy chutes. It will zap little Susie across the street into a neighbor's yard. Yes, before we know it, we'll be shoving down fun-sized candy bars through these pipes, screaming, UNLIMITED POWER! As we're flying blue lightning at trick-or-treaters this year. Why? Because it's 2020. It's COVID, and it's now Halloween. So until next time, keep every minute scary. Tune in next episode for another Haunt Minute. And in the meantime, share your opinions on the Big Scary Show Facebook page and on Twitter at Big Scary Storm. Hi, this is Josh Gates from Travel Channel's Expedition Unknown, reminding you to send all hate mail to storm at bigscaryshow.com. Virgil. Night Sins on the Big Scary Show.
Are you looking for a comprehensive ticketing solution for your haunted attraction? HauntPay has the answer. We skip the features you don't need and focus on the ones you like, such as timed ticketing and repeat time slots, variable ticket types, bundle and combo tickets, social media discounts, and now featuring all-in-one options including managing your tickets online and at the door, as well as upselling and managing your merchandise and concessions with a comprehensive report on everything at the end of the night. Head on over to hauntpay.com and get started in 60 seconds for free. This Friday night, Halloween. I know. I know. Shock. Shock. Four shockers for Halloween. The last house on the left. Mark of the Devil. Cannibal Girls. Look in the this Friday night. I know. Shock. It's Halloween Terror Night. Hello everybody, Drew Badger here. If I sound a little muted, I'm wearing a mask, but I'm on the road live at Hillside Horror in Roaring River, North Carolina. First time I've been to this one, my daughter was jonesing for a haunt, so I picked her up from college and we're out here. And it uh, looks like it's gonna be an interesting night. I got the owner, Joe Clay, here. Joe, how you doing? Doing good, doing good. Glad you could make it, man. Yeah, first time here at Hillside Horror, man. What uh, What's going on out here? I mean, I, I, first of all, I gotta ask, how's the season going, given everything is going on? Season's going well. We're uh, taking all our safety measures with COVID. We're doing limited number of tickets per hour, online sales pretty much only, trying to keep everybody safe and separated in our own social bubbles. And we've got hand sanitizer, temperature checks, all of that stuff that 2020 has made us real familiar with. Yeah, it, it's, it's been a crazy year so far, man. I see the markers here in line. Looks like people are at least staying in small groups that uh, – I assume they all came with and not intermingling and stuff. What uh, what kind of interesting and spooky and scary stuff can someone expect if they go through a hillside horror? Well, we have a creepy corn maze in a whole haunted woods area, which takes a total of about 45 to 50 minutes to go through. We've got about 50 to 60 live actors that are just itching. They've been in quarantine, too, so they're just itching to get a little excitement. Are they also wearing masks and staying socially distant or being behind barriers or things like that? Yes, we're keeping all of our actors. They had they basically had two choices this year. Our actors could either not wear a safety mask under their mask and stay at least six to seven feet apart from patrons, or if they wanted to get up close and personal like they normally do, then safety masks are required underneath their scare masks. Very nice. Now, there goes the chainsaw. For uh, the customers who've been coming through, who've been coming here for many years and stuff, what are what are they saying with the uh, new changes in effect? Uh, they're, they're, everybody's been pretty receptive to it. Everybody's aware of what we got to do to be able to, to open this year and, and keep everybody safe. Our motto this year is social distance to fear the difference. <laughs> so uh, everybody's been pretty receptive to it. At times it's kind of like herding cats, keeping everybody in their own social bubble. But as you can look around, you can see that we've done – 
the best we could to limit the number of people in at any one time. Right. We actually have three different waiting areas this year instead of one waiting area, too. So we're, we're splitting everything up. Yeah, I came here and I was like, wow, are they even open? It's not that many. But then I realized you're time ticketing. So this is just a group of people that are here for this hour. Exactly. We're selling a limited number of tickets per hour. And like I said, instead of one big queue area with a DJ like we normally would do, we've actually got two to three different waiting areas where we're keeping people socially distanced. So even though it looks like there's nobody here uh, in the inside, there's also a couple other waiting areas too. So. Oh, there's people here. They're they're hanging out here, and there's a there's a clown. Oh, great! Well, but, when, uh, I, when I say nobody, it's not what I'm used to. I'm used to seeing hundreds right oh, there, shoulder yeah, to shoulder. No doubt, but man. of course, with 2020, we can't do that. And hopefully, next year we'll be able to get back to the norms. But uh, you know, as long as people are having a good time, I mean, it's a beautiful evening here. Temperatures down in the 50s. This is like perfect haunt weather. So. Hopefully the crowds will continue. It's spooktacular, and we've been uh, spooktacular weather, and we've been really fortunate, even though we are limited uh, capacity per hour. So far, pretty much every night we've been open, we've sold out every single hour that we've been open. So oh, that's fantastic. We're, we're fortunate. We're blessed in that aspect, too. So, you know, you're, you're, you're kind of out here in the middle of nowhere down this very dark and very spooky road. For uh, people that want more information, maybe they're traveling through uh, North Carolina, checking out the leaves going down the Blue Ridge Parkway. You're not that far off the parkway. You're kind of outside North Wilkesboro, Wilkesboro area, kind of between that and uh, Statesville, sort of, in a weird kind of way. How could people get directions, more information, buy those tickets online, go ahead and get them before they're sold out, and all things Hillside Horror with websites, social medias, etc. Yeah, actually, uh, there's Ratchety Ann up there messing with me. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Um, actually, yeah, they can get tickets at the gate, but we highly, highly recommend that they go to hillsidehorror.com, get their tickets online, click on the time slot they want to come, because if we've already sold the, the number of tickets we're allotted each hour and they come to the gate, there won't be any more available for that time slot. So to get directions and to guarantee that you can get a ticket when you come out, you're going to want to go to hillsidehorror.com. You just click on Get Tickets. You click on the date you want to attend and the hour you want to come, and if we're sold out that hour, it'll direct you to another hour. And when will you be uh, open through? Are you going through Halloween? you going into November? What you doing? Actually, we go every Friday and Saturday night through November 14th, and then we close for two weeks, and we open back up for two weekends in December for our Toys for Terror and we do the spooky trail with a Christmas twist. Ooh. So every scene will be added, give it a little Christmas twist to it. And uh, so it's going to be your not-so-normal uh, Christmas show in <laughs> December. And so we do that for two weekends in December. Well, it sounds like I'm going to have to make a trip back up here in uh, December to do that. My daughter's like, yeah, why not? So anyway, folks, hillsidehorror.com. If you're traveling through the mountains of North Carolina, Virginia, anything like that, checking out the leaves why not check out a haunt you can't see the leaves in the dark anyway so check out hillsidehard.hot joe clay a pleasure to have you here on the big scary Thank show you. man Looks, you all out. hopefully we'll get it through this uh haunt here and uh get pretty scared good right time, good time, as, as my daughter kind of nods her head there <laughs> my name is drew badger finally on the road for the 2020 season for the big scary show and we're out Midnight Syndicate. Midnight Syndicate. Born of the Night. Born of the Night. On the Big Scary Show. Scary Shows.
And ladies and gentlemen, this is the final roundtable of terror before Halloween, so we want to wish each and every one of our listeners out there a very happy and safe Halloween. This has been a crazy haunt season so far. We hope you're having fun. We hope you're getting out there and checking out all the events, the haunted houses, the parades, the carnivals, whatever is or is not going on in your town this year. Again, it's just been a crazy year. But you know, every Halloween show we do, and we have a whole lot of new listeners over the past year, so we just want to remind everybody that our Halloween shows are usually extra special. We talk about things really specific to Halloween itself. So before we get started, I want to ask you a question out there. If I asked you to name the Halloween capital of the world, where would you say it was? Would you say Salem, Massachusetts? Maybe New Orleans? How about Transylvania? No? Yes? What if I told you that for the past 100 years, Anoka, Minnesota has been the Halloween capital of the world? Now, if you're not in the upper Midwest and you're sitting there going, huh? Well, we have a couple people here who are innately familiar with the Halloween capital of the world. They've been working with the historical societies and the committees and everything that make Anoka, Minnesota, the Halloween capital of the world. They've been having lots and lots of celebrations and events going on this month as they have for the past 99 previously. This is their centennial anniversary. We thought we would get some people on the line to talk about it, and we do. So I want to introduce our <clears throat> guests for this show. First of all, the executive director of the Anoka County Historical Society, Rebecca Ebnet Dasons. I hope I got that right. Who is you did in... beautifully. Oh, thank you. She's in Buffalo, Minnesota, I believe. Glad to have you with us. Well, and... I appreciate you being a good host to us. Thank you. <laughs> we, 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 that remains to be seen. We also have, from the Anoka Halloween Committee, we have John Jost with us, who is in Anoka itself. John, are you with us? I am here. It is great to have you here as well. And, of course, it wouldn't be the roundtable without our special co-hosts, including up in Warwick, Rhode Island, the Quahog capital of the world. We have Storm. Very true with the Quahog capital. There's not enough uh, home haunters doing Quahogs uh, this year. Might have to change that for next year. But we're, we're trying to challenge for the most um, yard haunts per capita here uh, in Warwick, I can tell you that. Very nice. Down in Cincinnati, which is known as the cornhole capital of the world, we have Meat Hook Jim. <laughs> not for the <laughs> trust me, the first time I heard that when I moved up here, I'm not even going there. But well, it, yeah, it's where you live, man. <laughs> if you understand it, it's a fun game. So I'll leave it at that. Uh, I'm I'm not bad at it myself. Uh, the instrumentalist Jerry Vane, who is in Columbus, which is the well capital of Ohio. Uh, he's a little under the weather, so we gave him the night off. We wish him a speedy recovery. Hope he gets better soon. My name is Drew Badger down in Charlotte, the unofficial NASCAR and wrestling hall or wrestling capital of the world. <sighs> yeah. But anyway, we're talking Anoka Halloween for the past 100 years, the Halloween capital of the world. And I will throw the first question out to both of our guests. Why? How? How does Anoka, Minnesota become the Halloween capital of the world way back in 1920? 
Would you believe me if I said it was because the bulls were eating the math books? Uh, at this point, I'll believe it. Please, <laughs> please elaborate. Uh, well, we were back in about 1919, and there was a whole bunch of chaos going on in the town with, um, you know, the hooligans around. They're, the newspapers were reporting all sorts of fun things going on, but they were all adult orientated. All the decorations and the costumes and, and things were going on for adults, and there wasn't much for the children to do. So the teenagers got a little rambunctious and uh, started overturning outhouses and soaping some windows and stealing gates and putting wagons on roofs and letting the cows out. So the cows were found wandering the streets and um, not to be, you know, I'm a literary person, so I really don't care about math books. So here they are in the school, November 1st, 1919, and uh, there's, there's cows out eating the math books in the classroom. And I'm sure the kids yeah, love that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, just kind of what Rebecca was saying. Every year, the youth tried to outdo themselves. And that November 1st, 1919, the town had enough. And so George Green, uh, one of the civic leaders in Anoka and some other leaders in Anoka decided, we're not doing that next year. So they got together and they said, we're going we're gonna to create a diversion. And what they came up with was this parade and bonfire. And uh, we'll, we'll do it about 7.30 at night, about the time that the shenanigans would begin after dark around here. And uh, that's how our inaugural Halloween celebration began. Um, kind of what, like Rebecca was saying, by 1919, people were hiding out in their outhouses overnight. Um, they were tired of uh, being overturned and you know windows soaked and and windows broken and it was really uh they just had enough and so that's how anoka halloween began it was a uh, um specifically organized to create a diversion for the youth in anoka from doing these halloween pranks the the term trick-or-treat was uh as you've all heard um really had meaning in Anoka at that time. Unfortunately, the citizens weren't given that option, trick or treat. They just got the tricks. You wacky nice. upper Midwesterners, my goodness. <laughs> just like, I'm shocked at that. So, you know, you, you don't expect, you know, roving gangs of kids to go out and terrorize towns a hundred years ago, but, but wow. And I mean, were these like, you know, young kids or just young adults or, or, who was it that was actually causing all this rambunctiousness? The uh, middle school, high school aged kids. Wow. I think Here putting I... the time frame into context is important too. You know, nineteen nineteen, you're just wrapping up World War One, you've got the women's suffrage, you've got prohibition, you've got the flu, the you know, the nineteen eighteen flu. Uh, there's nothing settled about the world right now. And so I think that really plays into why this all came to a head at that particular point in history. Well, and that makes sense then too, but when you, uh, when you put it in that context. So, so what were some of the events the, uh, the first year? You, you, you touched on a little bit there, but uh, what was it that, that kept everyone out and about? Did, was, was there actual quote-unquote trick or treating going on in 1920, or was it just more of like, carnivals and parades and celebration type things 
it was the the big parade, um, and then the bonfire that followed. And at that bonfire, they handed out uh, um, apples and peanuts and candy. And uh, before the parade, they gave uh, kids some party favors, noisemakers, and such to to really whoop it up in the in the parade. Have have something to be excited about. I love speaking of whooping it up. I love at seven thirty, right around in there the mill whistles and all the other town whistles started to go off at the same time and bells and anything that could make noise started making noise. And there were calls uh, from as far away as Burns, you know, it's just a good half hour drive yet um, from Anoka. And so they, it lasted about 10 minutes and people were still calling in and saying they could hear all this noise. Yeah. And coming full circle with that um, before the pandemic outbroke, we actually set out to recreate that. So we have uh, 7.30 on Halloween night here in Anoka. We're going to set off all the, the sirens and uh, church bells are going to be ringing and we're asking people to step out um, out, out their front doors and, and make so- sounds if they have horns and whistles and things like that. So we're going to re- recreate that. And, and, you know, fortunately with the restrictions of the pandemic and such, we, we can do this one. This 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 one is uh, COVID safe. How um how do the residents like being in the quote unquote Halloween capital of the world? Are you expecting like you know fifty percent participation in this, a hundred percent participation, or what? What do people who are either new residents or lifelong residents how do they feel about, and how well do they all participate? Well, this will be the first time this has been brought back since 1920. Uh, we've been advertising it pretty heavily for the last uh, couple of months, so we're hoping we're hoping uh, a lot of participation. Um, I can tell you that Halloween Pride in Anoka is uh, beyond just its citizens. We you know we were 17,000 residents in Anoka, um, but typically on parade day we swell to over 60,000 honorary Anokans. We're one of the large one of the largest parades in the Upper Midwest. It wow. takes three hours to get through the parade road. Wow. How it's many, one, uh, mile long, one mile long and over 150 entrants. Oh, my goodness. That's awesome. Yeah. There's at least, what, 10 people deep on the side of the road usually. Mm-hmm. And this, so what and type of... Oh, so, I'm sorry. Oh, I, I was going to say, I, I wanted to uh, get a little feel of exactly what the parade is. Is it more of a costume parade? Is it like the type of local parades would see with floats and military uh, uh, demonstrations, that type of thing? Or is it purely co- uh, costume and Halloween? Uh, all, all of that amongst three <laughs> separate parades. <laughs> so the Grand Day Parade is your like traditional parade. We think of floats and marching bands. Um you know, other communities coming to town with their royalty. Um, that, that, that's what you're going to see on Grand Day Parade. And it's, it starts off with a flyover by the, um, the, the T-18 Thunderbird practice crew. So that, that roars through the town to set that parade off. But they also have a light up the night parade where they turn off all the lights in Anoka. And just the, 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 a handful of, of floats are, are out that evening. And then we have the Kitty Parade, which is the day before the Grand Day Parade. And that's the one where all the school children are invited to dress up in costume and, and march in that parade. Very nice. Now, you've been doing this now for 100 years. I 
I saw on one of your websites that you did take a couple of years off for World War II for obvious reasons. But, um, you know, you've been keeping it steady now, I guess, for 98 out of 100 years. What kind of growth did you have in the early days versus now? You know, Halloween over the past, you know, 20 years has literally exploded into, you know, exponentially growing larger than it was in the 90s and the 80s and the 70s. And I'm just curious, how did it grow like in the 20s and in the 30s and then in the 50s and the 60s? Um. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, I think that we started out about 500 people at that first parade, and within a couple of years, we were up to 10,000 already, you know, just within a few years. Uh, I think it was about 1970, we hit about 30,000. Yes, and then and then 60,000 today. Wow. Wow. That is, that is amazing. And that's just for the one event. Keep in mind, Anoka Halloween has typically over 30 events. And Halloween is the entire month of, November, of October, including November 1st now with our pumpkin smash <laughs> event. So it's, uh, it's, it's, it's more, than a, more than an entire month's worth, worth of events. Oh, I, I definitely want to hear more about the pumpkin smash. Is this where you just take the pumpkins from people's front steps and dispose of them? Or do you put them on like a giant trebuchet and send them soaring? How do you do that? <laughs> You're close. They actually, they actually do have a a, a, a crane type mechanism that uh, they can be tossed into a giant uh, um, barrel slash uh, garbage can, to, and they they go out for uh, um, composting. But yeah, residents can bring their pumpkins to the pumpkin smash, and they're 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 flung into that receptacle. Oh, fun! <laughs> that 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 sounds that. I hope there's video on YouTube of that. We're traditionally all about fun with this. I mean, you're you're talking in 1928. Somebody had their wedding at at the uh, the parade ceremony, so you had 10,000 people at your wedding, um, <laughs> and apparently that went over so well that the following year there was a mock wedding that five men put on. Um, so it, there's boxing was a, a pretty big thing through the 30s, and uh, you know because we don't want we want to keep this family friendly. Uh, about 1937, they decided to have a pillow fight in the boxing ring instead. So, <laughs> oh, that's tremendous. <laughs> now, um, as far as other things that are going on in Anoka during the month of October, besides the parade and the pumpkin smash and and all this stuff, and keep in mind this will be airing on the 24th and will be running through the first week in November. What are some of the events that happened early in October? And what are some of the events that will be happening, you know, counting down to Halloween? Um, so, yeah, so this year is a little different because of the pandemic. Obviously, we had to, we had to trim down some of our events to make them, you know, COVID-friendly. Um, what has already occurred is we've had a couple of movie nights in the park where people could bring their families and sit in socially distant uh, um circles and, 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 and watch a movie projected onto a large screen in the park. We had a couple of those. Uh, this weekend, we had our virtual orange tie ball, which is a, a gala that raises uh, funds for the, the festival and the scholarships that the uh, uh, Anoka Halloween does. Our, our, our fundraising goes to the uh, defraying of the cost of the festival and then 
to uh, scholarships that we give to our three ambassadors and um, youth that have won uh, citizenship awards um, th- this year. So that's what our our, our nonprofit status um, propels its income towards is the you know funding the festival and and putting and putting those uh, putting together those uh, um, scholarships. So we've had that so far, and we're and, and uh, we have a few things coming up. We've done the ghost tours with the historical society. Yes, let's talk about those ghost tours. You said you've got a couple of interesting stories. I can't wait to hear this. Well, and we're in the same boat as John. You know, we really had to switch things up because of COVID. Uh, You know, typically we, we run about a mile loop through the city with our ghost tours. And we have groups of about 25 people run by a volunteer docent. And we do between four and five tours a night. Uh, going around the town and we do that for all of September and October so it's our biggest fundraiser of the year and this year uh, the groups can only be about 10 12 people big and we're only running you know a couple a night if we're really really lucky Friday and Saturday night so we've turned it into a virtual ghost tour where you can log on and hire us as a, a zoom leader the docent can be there as an interactive zoom meeting uh, with some photos and some video footage And then we've got a regular video that we've made with all of the docents that have chimed in and made this video up. So we can still enjoy the stories, but it's not quite the same as going around and seeing everything in the dark and getting cold. But um, one of my personal favorite stories is Sam Sterrett. Uh, He actually died in 1913. You know, well, his body died in 1913 because... You know, he's still around his house. Um, But he was a Civil War vet, and he was struck by an artillery shell. And so he eventually went blind, but he still managed to hold down a job as the postmaster in town. Uh, So we're giving his wife, Jenny, a lot of credit for helping him out with that job. So his house in town is actually built in two different sections. So the one section was originally on 2nd Avenue, and it was built in 1867, but there's a big fire that went through towns. You know, a lot of them were built of wood back in the day, Three Little Pigs style. So when everything burns, you build things back in brick, and it works a lot better. So the buildings that you see in downtown Anoka now are predominantly brick, and most of them are post-fire. So they moved part of this house over and grafted it together. So the house that you see of Sam's now is actually two separate pieces. But Sam had left the the house with some of his belongings in it and the new owners took over and now they said, we really like Sam's picture. You know, we appreciate that it's here hanging on the wall, but you know, we kind of like it on the other wall. And so the, the woman of the house went and took his picture off the wall and moved it to the opposite wall and went to bed. And in the morning, she woke up, and the picture was back on the original wall. And Mm. she thought, well, that's kind of odd. I could have sworn I moved that picture. So she did it again. And the following night, she moved the picture back to the opposite wall. And by morning, it was right back on the other wall again. So Sam stays on on the wall he wants to be on now. (laughs) Evidently, Uh, Sam wanted to stay there and... 
decided, hey, I'm just going to move me back. Civil War vets, you don't mess with them. Right. Or their cats. Or their cats. They There's a cat named Leo that lives at the house now, currently. And he was getting blamed for everything, you know, knocking off books and things off of shelves and whatnot. Things would be falling all over the place. And everyone was blaming poor Leo. And all of a sudden, one day, the owners of the house saw Leo walking across the grass. But, you know, the things were still falling in the house. So it couldn't have been Leo. Hmm. Hmm. I love stories like that. Sounds like we need an investigation. We just had some in ghost investigators, paranormal investigators on our show a couple of weeks ago. So interesting. I do want to remind everybody you are listening to the round table of terror here on the big scary show. We are talking about Anoka, Minnesota, the Halloween capital of the world with Rebecca Ebnet Dasons, John Jost, both of them who are extensively involved in Anoka's Halloween celebrations. Our usual co-host, Minus Jerry. We're going to take a very short break to pay some bills, and we'll be right back on this special Halloween edition of the Roundtable of Terror. In 1897, Dr. Alexander Hammond arrived at an institution for the criminally insane, only to discover the unsolved murders of several guards. Where are we? Jerry Bain takes you into Black Moon Asylum, a twisted abyss of torment, madness, and the horrifying mystery of Patient 292. Time for your medication. Black Moon Asylum, a symphonic journey into darkness from Hunstrumentalist Jerry Bain. Download Black Moon Asylum at jerrybain.com, iTunes, cdbaby.com, Amazon MP3, and your favorite download site. And we're back to the Roundtable of Terror, Halloween edition here on the Big Scary Show with our guest, Rebecca Ebnet Daysens of the Anoka County Historical Society, John Jost of the Anoka Halloween Committee up in Anoka, Minnesota, the Halloween capital of the world. And during the break, Storm said he had a question. So, Storm, take it away. Yeah, um, you know, one of my things this year has been, you know, these new COVID regulations by the Center for Disease Control, and half of them are scavenger hunts. And I'm like, what's the with scavenger hunts? Who, who comes up with this? Who, who has ever had a fun Halloween scavenger hunt that isn't in the third grade? But, uh, John, uh, you know, looking at some of the events and, and hearing you talk about some of it, uh, I think they may have stolen the idea from you. Can you tell us about some of these uh, events you're doing and the different shape they have this year with social distancing and uh, COVID? Sure. Uh, we'll have a, a, a scavenger hunt where folks will get a list of items that they can go out on their own and gather up and, and, and report back virtually on, uh, on their success on finding those items. Uh, we'll also have a medallion hunt where they'll release clues throughout the day. Um, and then the next day, if it hasn't been located, and they'll, they'll report on that. We also have a pumpkin carving contest and a preschool costume contest they'll do that you know out it's going to be outside socially distant um you know judging will take place outdoors and then our grand day parade this year is, is called the grand day experience and what that will be is they'll they'll have parade lets little little sites where you'll you'll as the viewer you'll drive through seeing the the floats and things on either side of the road so the the parade itself stands still, but you're driving through. Um, this, this keeps it uh, 
within the compliance and keeps everybody safe. Awesome. Uh, one of the other things you mentioned, unfortunately, it's an event that will have already happened by the time we go to air. But you were even talking, you guys came up with a drive-in bingo concept? Uh, what's that all about? Yes, it's uh, bingo from your car. So what that is is you'll be in a parking lot inside your vehicle, and they will call the numbers from an elevated stage on the other side of the parking lot. And if you get a bingo, you've got to honk your horn, flash your light, and one of our uh, uh, attendants will, will come to your car, uh, you know, geared up and masked and gloved and, and uh, you know, staying compliant that way. Now, uh, some of these events, I assume these are open to anybody. I mean, do you have, you know, you know, throngs and throngs of people? You've mentioned, you know, thousands and thousands of people come and see things on Halloween Day. But do how many people come in and visit some of these things that go on before Halloween itself? Sure. No, you're you're right with that. So those those are limited, and they even pre-pandemic, we we do have a registration limit, um, just just on the feasibility of being able to, to, to manage something like that. So yes, there, there's a limit on how many participants can be in the pumpkin carving contest, preschool contest, the bingo. Bingo is going to be first come, first serve. Once that parking lot fills, <laughs> that's it. That's all we can do. Uh, the parades, the parade-lets, that, that's a little different for us. Uh, as long as we have less than 250 people at a site at any moment, we're staying compliant. And so that's you know, we, we, we will have that event up and going for four hours. So there's um, an opportunity for, for, for many, many, many people to, to, to come to Anoka and, and drive through these uh, parade lit on our Grand Day experience. Um, so that will be seen, yet to be seen as to how many people will show up for that. Now, when you um, start preparations for any particular year, let's assume you know there's not a pandemic going on. Do you guys start making plans November first? Do you start making plans two or three years in advance, or how? What and how and what are the major preparations in a let's say typical year for yeah. the Anoka Halloween celebrations? What do you, what does it all entail? How long do you guys use it? How many man hours of volunteers and people do you use, or do you need? You know what what goes into creating this month long celebration? Yes, it's it's year long, year round. So as soon as as soon as one festival ends, we are already starting our next year. Um, it takes about thirty committee members to um, meet once a month, every month um, throughout the year to uh, you know gather additional volunteers and support and funding for um, these events. So in a typical year, we'll start up right after our November meeting again. Um, this year's a little different because this is our 100th anniversary. So we've actually been making preparations for this year for the last four years. Um, of, of course, major bummer that uh, the pandemic hit. Uh -huh. However, we didn't let that end it. Um, so already in February or, or, or March, we were talking about contingency plans, what we could and couldn't do. And that was a moving target for us because, as you know, with the pandemic, um, what you could and couldn't do um, did, did change. You know, what, what, and it still is. I mean, all these items are, are really kind of based on, on what kind of direction and, and, and uh, interpretation of the CDC um, guidelines for, for the organization, for the festival. 
Um, we absolutely want to stay and will stay compliant with that. So there has been um, constant preparation. How many hours? Thousands. I mean, thousands of hours. These people um, on this committee um, dedicate their their entire their entire year's worth of, of non-working hours. <laughs> you know, a lot of us will say, uh, you know, we're Anoka Halloween committee volunteers, and in our spare time, we work full time during the week. <laughs> Because it's yes, it's a it's a lot of effort, and because this is our hundredth year anniversary, um, you know, we started planning here four years ago. And what we what we wanted to do is we wanted to to make a book that commemorates the last hundred years and have a special event. And so what we came up with was an incredible book. And and thank you so much to, to Rebecca and, and and her staff over at No County Historical Society to to help us make that come true. Our our, our two sponsors. Um, um, believed in our project and, and we're, we're able to, to, to front us the funds to, to, to get this done. And so we created a, a fabulous book that uh, um, talks about Anoka Halloween, kind of answers the question, what is Anoka Halloween and, and what is it like? Because it's full of history and stories, firsthand accounts. There's interviews in there, um, lots and lots of pictures, over 300 pictures are in there. Um, so this is, this is really a, a win for us because we, um, we, we, we have those uh, available online at anokahalloween.com and in our store uh, so folks can purchase those. And actually, we, we were surprised by the popularity of, of that book. You know, it's only 500 volumes, and uh, um, as of today, we've already sold 390. So there's a real possibility that we could sell out of this by the year end, and that, that was not in any of our, our, our thoughts that we could do that. And then our second thing coming up with that event, um, we were just really lucky that our our special event this year, the bell ringing and sirens going off happened to be a, a, a COVID compliant event. Wow. And of course a book like that would make an excellent gift for that holiday that comes, you know, a couple of months after Halloween. We don't talk <laughs> about that very much, but uh, <laughs> it does sound like a, a whole lot of fun here. And again, you know, all those hours, all those volunteers to make, everything, all the preparations you've had for the last four years. And of course, Halloween's on a Saturday. Halloween's got a full moon and of course, pandemic. So, uh, you know, it, it has been a very, very strange year. But uh, let me ask this question with all the people who spend their time and their talents and their energies making this, you know, such a big event. Do you have complaints from people? Do you have some people that just don't like Halloween that, that write you letters and saying, why are you going through all this? We hate Halloween, you know, stop. The Anoka you Grinch. Know? <laughs> oh, I, I, I have, uh, yes. As a matter of fact, I love it. I love it um, because we, I, I was, I was called up one day. Uh, it was a nursing home here in Anoka and they said, you, you got to come down. We got somebody with a great story for you. And, and I would, I, I had my iPhone to do the recording and, and a little backup rec digital recorder I bring with me. And I, I ran down there and I sat down with uh, one of the representatives from the uh, nursing home and, and, they, and they brought in a resident and, and she introduced herself and, and she said, my best Halloween memory was when they dedicated the Champlin Bridge and the weather was terrible and we were all forced to go. And my dad said, I didn't have to go. And that was fine by me because I tell you what, I hate Halloween. So it was, <laughs> <laughs> yes, no, that I, 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 you know, not, not everybody is a, a lover of the holiday. I have a coworker who once told me, uh, um, why, why do we even celebrate Halloween? It's like a kid's, that's a kid's holiday. It's not even a real holiday. <laughs> and, you know, rather than, you know, disown her, I just, 
I just understand we, we just come from a different mindset. You know, if you, if you grew up in Anoka, it's in your bone marrow, unfortunately. And <laughs> uh, <laughs> Halloween is a, is a big deal, whether you like it or not. Yeah, I live in the deep south and the Bible Belt, and a lot of the people around here who do a lot of elaborate yard displays get one or two anonymous letters in their mailbox complaining about, you know, well, you can imagine what they get complaints about. Oh. But, but <laughs> Yeah, but well, it, you know it, what? It, what you know, say, and one thing about Anoka Halloween too. Anoka Halloween is a is a family friendly uh, festival. It's geared towards children, so there there we don't have a lot of gore per, percent in our in our in our Halloween. We certainly we like skeletons and jack o' lanterns and, and and witches just just like the the, the, the next uh, Halloween celebration. But uh, yeah, so our, since we, we do we really have a family focused, and since the 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 purpose of our Halloween celebration really even today the the tricks might not not be a, a a huge part of what people think of for for trick-or-treating or, or halloween anymore but we we, we we recreate that every year and that's where our celebration is is paying homage to that to that first 1920 celebration so yeah our, we certainly have folks who who they're not interested in, in going out or 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 you know maybe they live on the parade route and so they they dash out of town on that day you know, you know we, we've heard those things <laughs> I think speaking as a, a non-native Anokan, you know, I'm transplanted in, you know, five years ago for work. And from my perspective, it's been really amazing coming in and feeling the community commitment to one specific event and one specific moment where everybody can participate. And I think that in and of itself is very special. Um, they, the community goes out of its way to make the holiday long enough and inclusive enough with enough events that all ages and all abilities can participate. And I think that's really unique um, for a, a community event. So I think that pride and ownership in, in one specific event, it speaks to the identity and the legacy and the tradition, uh, you know, the historical perspective, even, that the town has, um, you know, that just that legacy knowledge and, and a true identity about who they are as a community. One thing I haven't heard yet is does Anoka have a local haunted house? And if not, why not? <laughs> and, and, and by haunted house, you mean haunted attraction as yes. in, you know, actors. <laughs> yeah, you have ghost yeah. stores. I assume you have haunted houses, but do you have a professional quote unquote, or even a yeah, charity? Yeah, so we have we, we have we have we have both of those. So Re Rebecca and uh, her her crew handle the hauntings, and then the Knights of Columbus put on the haunted house. Uh, oh, cool! Our, our our annual that's the, that's one of their big fundraisers and tie into Anoka Halloween um, as a as a co organization that that. Um, gets involved. So yes, they have an annual haunt house. Um, this year, of course, because of the pandemic, there's just not a way to for mm. them to have have done something like that. So on hiatus for 2020, but yes, we d definitely do have a a haunted house. And uh, as a kid, I I, I I looked forward to it and got scared every year, even though it was the same setup. I knew, I knew it was coming. It still scared me. You know, I, and it, it was a pretty good one. You'd you'd go in there and you had to get on your hands and knees and crawl through a carpeted tunnel. To come out into another room where you had, uh, you know, creatures coming hanging down on top of you, and I only tell you about that because they don't do that anymore. I don't want to give it away because you got to come to Nook and check it out. 
Awesome. Nice. Awesome. Rebecca, I got a quick question. You know, with the preparation and, you know, building up to uh, the 100th anniversary and, and all the tradition stuff, uh, you and your team come up with some research and find anything surprising about the history and leading up to uh, uh, this 100th anniversary, uh, something that, you know, maybe even lifelong residents of Anoka didn't know about? That is a great question. Um <laughs> I, the only reason I hesitate in, in answering directly is because everybody has their own stories to contribute and the stories that they know are so true to themselves and their families that to say it was surprising just means that you hadn't talked to the right people yet. <laughs> um, right? So everybody everybody has their, their truth and their story and their tradition and their family and then the more they started talking about it, and I think that's really where John's book and the, the Anoka Halloween book really came into play, was giving people an opportunity to tell those stories and have them all in one place. Um, you know, as a historical society, we're only uh, three full-time people strong, so we can't do it all. And so collecting and compiling, you know, 100 years worth of oral traditions is out of our scope. So to have the committee step in and say, you know what, we're going to take this on. We're going to record all of these stories. We're going to walk around. We're going to invite people to tell their stories and then print those, you know, say 150 to 250 word snippets of them in this book. Um, I think that's, for me, it was an, an attempt to, to create a community narrative again and, and let those family stories come out into the open. And Rebecca, I can I can touch on that and say uh, thank you so much for all your assistance in the research because yeah, there like like she said, there's things that will amaze you if you talk to one person and go next door and talk to the next because that that was part of that book was trying to you know just find out some of these stories. Um, I can give an example that's kind of surprising. Anoka had a pretty strong connection to Hollywood in the 1950s. Um, every year we had a celebrity grand marshal, and it was people of quite note at that time. We had um, Bamba the Jungle Boy, we had Tex Ritter, we had Rex Allen, um, and then you know, and then throughout the fifties and sixties, we had actual Hollywood celebrities that would that would come and be the Grand Marshal. There was somebody in Anoka who had ties to California and to the film industry, and and uh, they would actually come out to Anoka, and and the the cha- they were called chairperson, the, the the president of Anoka Halloween. They'd stay with them at their home and and be their guest overnight and because they would they'd be there for the kitty parade on friday and, and stay for the grand day parade um that was a nighttime parade um uh, you know until 1968 um and then and then you know go home that that following sunday the next the next day but yeah there was it was it was quite neat during a kind of i call it like anoka halloween's golden age you know when 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 we had that that hollywood connection not that it isn't it's as great today as it could have, as it ever has been, absolutely. But that was kind of neat that we had that Hollywood connection there for you know a dozen years or so. Wow, Tex Ritter, the Western star and father of actor John Ritter, that's that's pretty impressive. We have a resident here who actually has Tex Ritter's hat from that evening. He, uh, uh, the chairperson and him got separated, and, and and Tex was getting a little warm, so he took off his hat and asked our our chairperson to hold it, and they never reconnected after that night, and so. Uh, there's a, a town resident here who 
proudly has Tex Ritter's hat from that celebration, and I think it was 1956, I believe. Wow. Yep. Now, before we went on the air, you had mentioned something about a stamp unveiling. What was going on with the stamp unveiling, I believe, in 2016? Yeah, 2016 was a busy year. <laughs> hmm. um, the, the, the old Anoka post office turned 100 years old. Uh, that's on the National Register of Properties. And so that turned 100 years old. And then simultaneously, the post office decided to unveil a set of four jack-o'-lantern stamps. And so those stamps, every time the post office unveils stamps, they need to find a home to unveil those in. And so we had to apply for the right to have the designation of being that city. And um, Anoka, in true fashion, uh, went over the top and inundated the Postal Service with letters of recommendation and phone calls and um, pleading our case. Um, so we won against several different cities that were vying for that designation. And uh, we ended up setting up in the plaza of the city hall and uh, had, you know, the band was out and uh, there was an enormous replica of the four jack-o'-lantern stamps that had been made that was unfurled down the side of the city hall building even. So you can imagine the size of the, the jack-o'-lantern faces at that point. Uh, Amy Klobuchar was there, uh, Jim Abler. Uh, we had some other speakers from the community that were there. Uh, had the green room, you know, people were signing the, the memorabilia and people were coming in from all over the nation. I think we ended up in the Guinness Book of World Records at 600 for the largest stamp unveiling at that point. Um, so it was, it was quite a day to, to really play up the Halloween capital of the world and the, the jack-o'-lanterns as well as learn the word philately. I don't know what that means. Gesundheit. <laughs> <laughs> you can be a philatelist who does philately, you see. No, the stamp no. hey, hey, wait, this oh. is a family program. Wait, wait, yes. what, what's happening? Keep it PG-13, please. <laughs> Which makes you philatelic. <laughs> hey, I have kids oh, all our listeners are Googling that right now, and I'm sure they're <laughs> misspelling it and getting something awful. What, what exactly is, is, I'm going to butcher it, philately, See, yeah. I can't even say it with my awful, you know, Jersey-raised, New England, you know, matured, uh, you know, vocal skills. So I'm barely verbal. Um, that's that's all we got done during the first meeting of the committee was just trying to figure out what philatelic and how to say philately. What, what does it mean? It's the the love of stamps and the love of stamp collecting. Oh, okay. All so right. if you are philatelic, then you are of the stamp collecting. See, Storm, you're the youngest member of the show, and see, back in those days, people used to actually mail letters with stamps that they actually attached <laughs> to the letters that they would take Not to the post office. Not that young. <laughs> well, compared to Jim, you are. But, but, um, but yeah. I'm, I'm scrolling that knowledge away. I'm sure it'll be a Jeopardy question I can you know, impress my wife with. How did you know that? I just knew it. <laughs> well, to our younger listeners, that was back when people used to actually write letters rather than typing them and social media and them. Now, uh, a question I've got is, um, you know, you, you've called yourself the Halloween capital of the world for the past hundred years or so. 
And I'm sure there are other places that have called themselves the Halloween capital of the world. Um, have you ever had like competitions or have you ever had a, a cease and desist letter from another town saying, Hey, we're the Halloween <laughs> capital of the world or, or anything like that. And, and how does one become quote unquote, the Halloween capital of the world? Do you have to have a, a congressional declaration or anything like that? I mean, you know, how, how did the name get bestowed upon you? You just need a 12 year old kid to run off to DC wearing an Anoka sweater. Okay, I'm sure there's a story behind that. See? <laughs> there is. It's a Howard Bla Harold Blair. I uh, was a 12-year-old. He actually won a paperboy contest back in 1937. And so his prize was to go to Washington DC and get a tour of the town and in depending on which way you want to look at the story, of course, you know. Uh he had his Anoka sweater on and marched into Washington, D.C. with his proclamation, and therein we became the Anoka County, the Anoka capital of the world. Now you got me stumbling over my words. But from there, John. From there, so, so yes, uh, little Harry Blair in, in, in 1937, like uh, Rebecca was saying, he, he gave our, his congressional representation this, uh, this uh, declaration that uh, unfortunately has been lost to time because uh, um, we, you know, we, it, it was it was it was self-declared for a very long time, and uh, around 2000 we we started doing some investigating and and found that we couldn't find this anywhere um, in the congressional records, and so at that time our our representative uh, declared it on the floors of Congress that they are proud to represent Anoka. Minnesota, the Halloween capital of the world, and the following year, um, a different um, delegate from Minnesota also declared Anoka Halloween the capital of the world. And and uh, have we had any cease and desist letters for us? No. And have we sent any to any others? No. But we educate any any other town that uh, you know challenges us because we'll, we're we're very proud and and will fiercely defend our title as 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 the Halloween capital of the world. Um, but we we certainly love to to share that knowledge and you know just kind of like uh, you look at a capital for instance uh, we were talking about uh, Columbus Ohio for instance um, you know maybe not the biggest city in Ohio but or or even the you know the place you might think of as the capital but uh, it, it actually is so that's kind of like Anoka being the capital of, of Halloween you know we 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 are the capital but. Uh, we, we, we may not be the biggest, grandest celebration, but we do have uh, um, that, that proclamation, and uh, we're very, very proud of that. I'm looking at the clock here, and we probably should start winding down just a little bit. Any uh, questions from the hosts before we uh, start winding this down? Cool. We, we've, we've covered so much. Uh... No, no, I, I don't think so without, like, opening up a whole other hour conversation about <laughs> yeah. neat things and everything with it. You know, th this is so neat because especially for, for, you know, us and our audience, you know, we do a lot with haunted attractions. Halloween is such a part of our culture and everything. And just looking at, you know, the event you guys have, even the way you talk about it, that, that small town culture, this is... 
you know, Anoka's like that ideal concept of, you know, your, your small town and how they celebrate Halloween and, and, and how it all comes together. And there's the, the big football game. There's the, 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 the craft things, the costume contests. I'm, I'm sure there's a, a Miss Anoka Halloween pageant and, and all that fun little stuff leading up to parades and balls and stuff. It's, it's all those things we, we, we love to see in like Halloween specials and stuff. And, and you know, honestly, being here in New England, it's what everybody thinks happens with Salem, and it, it's not. Salem is just, it's, it's its own thing and neat in Halloween, but it's all tourists and everything. It doesn't have this small town aspect to it. You know, Salem is more of you get in line for three hours to go have a pumpkin beer at a modern pub. I assume that Anoka's probably got lots and lots of hardwood trees that are turning gold and reds and various colors. And I'm sure that, you know, there's probably pumpkin farms nearby and they've probably got more than their share of black cats running around. And it's probably what everybody imagines, you know, the fall season to be, you know, you, yes, you live I, can, a- I can, I can hear the leaves rustling out on the trees right now. And that are definitely a, a golden to, to orange color and, Yes, and I should mention too that there there's so many things that I di- I didn't really go into in detail, and I don't want to leave any anybody or any any event out. But you you touched on a couple that I didn't mention that I should say is yes, we have a the Pumpkin Bowl. It's Minnesota's only exhibition football game um, that Anoka puts on. We invite an out an outlying football team for a special non-conference game um, every year, and we've been doing that since 1948. And that kind of led into how we have this Halloween button tradition. Um, one of the big things in Anoka and from people all over the world, they will um, ask to purchase a, a pinback that we have. In 1949, they started using this pinback as an admission to the pumpkin bowl. And uh, that continued right through 1975. And then 1976, the school district um, and, and Anoka Halloween itself had to um, go their separate ways with a fundraising um, to the state guidelines and the, the pinback had become such a tra- tradition at that point that Anoka Halloween continues with that um, to this day. So we have uh, an annual Halloween button that uh, the residents are proud to get. And, and like I said, we have people from all over the world that, that ask for that button. And then yes, we have an ambassador program. We have three um, young women that uh, represent Anoka and they travel all over the country and, and, and the region representing Anoka and educating people on what is Anoka Halloween. And uh, um, they do a fantastic job. And so like I said, I don't, if I, if I forgot any event, I, I certainly apologize, but AnokaHalloween.com and our Facebook page is up to date and, and provides the best information on what we have for events and what's going on. Yeah, if people are interested in seeing the buttons and other collectible memorabilia, we've got an online exhibit for the History Center at anokacountyhistory.org as well. So anything John's mentioned with the, the buttons or the mugs or even Alice Vick's art that created the, the first sidewalk piece of art that's down by City Hall, uh, those are all up on our website. You can go check those out. Excellent. Uh, anything else? In- no, go ahead. Come, Sorry. If you, if you come into town in Anoka, you, you won't miss Winky. He's our giant eight foot by eight foot blinking Halloween light that uh, um, Re- Rebecca used to work with a, a former um, historian, now retired, but busier than ever, Vicki Wendell, who, who investigated this story and, and, and wrote a, a fabulous piece about it. But we have a, 
a giant winking pumpkin on top of City Hall that uh, you, you can you can see from blocks around. So if you're coming into Anoka, you got to check that out too. Is There's he a only challenge out? from the city of Blaine. <laughs> is is he only out during October? Does he stay up year round? Yes, October uh, only. Ah, <laughs> that's a shame. Anything else from the hosts? Uh, we we probably have you know listeners googling the blueprints to an eight foot giant blinking uh, jack o' lantern <laughs> for the top of their house. <laughs> uh, I'm, uh, you know that's that's the new plan instead of the twelve foot skeleton next year for everybody. <laughs> coming we to do a have some impressive house you. decorating uh, um, entrance each year too. So yeah, you, you you can check those out on top of just the uh, city hall. There's we, we we've got animated and very live action uh, um, house decorating contest entrance every year, and we're doing that this year also. Once again, another event that I, I failed to mention earlier. Oh, it sounds like a lot of fun. Well, that's fantastic. Uh, I, I, I'm sure we'll probably have some listener getting a big idea. Hey, I wonder if I could Airbnb a house in Anoka for the month of October, just so I can say I won. <laughs> oh, yeah, you get some haunters who build some of these props and things that we see at some of these displays and home haunts that I've seen. Oh, my God, I can only imagine. <laughs> Any final questions from the hosts? It's been very comprehensive, and it's been very educational. I mean, I'm just going to do some more research about Anoka when we get done. It, you know, technically, uh, go ahead. I was going to say, you know, we might as well throw a Jerry question there because he wasn't able to visit us. Um, do you normally do any musical things? Is there is there like a Anoka house band, or is there, a, you know, some sort of big music event that uh, even other years would be part of this? In non in the non pandemic years, they um, they do have a tent party for adults. Um, one of the uh, um, the Lions Club puts on a, a tent party, and they have uh, um, local uh, bands that are you know of of, of some renown um, visit um, and, and and do a, a show in the tent. So yes, that that's a big event for us too. you know, not doing it this year because of the mm. pandemic, of course, but yes, we, we do have that type of event of, you know, event in Anoka. You might have to talk to uh, Ed and Gavin about coming and doing a show since they didn't do cool. Cedar this year. Right on. Mm. That, that would be fun. But, uh, but ladies and gentlemen, this has been an, a fascinating conversation and, Technically, since you took a couple of years off during World War II, it's really only your 98th year. So maybe in a couple of years, maybe we can make that road trip up there and uh, well, see this all this cool 90, stuff. 99th year, 99th okay, nine, celebration this year. Okay, that's I true. Yet, yet, it, it, it's, I, I have to use my fingers and toes to count this out too. But yes, we've had ni- this will be our 99th celebration. So next year we're doing we're doing do over, our hundredth celebration next year. <laughs> And Times I better, two and plus one. I I better start making my uh, reservations now for an Airbnb there. Hmm. There's well, this a been... great bed and breakfast called Tickner House. That's another National Register property. Just saying. We'll talk off the air here. <laughs> <laughs> but folks, again, this you is had our Badger at breakfast. <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> and I, and I'm sure white foot and white nail. Anyway, we won't talk about that. 
But uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is, again, our Halloween special, and this is also the part of the roundtable we call The Plugs. So, John, for people wanting more information about Anoka Halloween, what are some of the websites and social medias that you can give out to the people so they can get more information? If they live in the upper Midwest and they're thinking maybe next weekend I'm going to take a, a road trip out there and check all the things out on the 31st and and the 30th and maybe even the first for the pumpkin smash, where can they get more information? Absolutely. Anoka, that's A-N-O-K-A, anokahalloween.com. And then also there is an Anoka Halloween Facebook page. Both of those are um, live up-to-the-moment updates with uh, all of our events and and links to um, many of our partners, including the Historical Society and and uh, the other organizations that put that put this festival on. We have um, a lot of partners, and we, we can't thank our sponsors enough. Um, this is a 100% volunteer organization, nonprofit. Every year, everything we put on is raised by the festivities that we and, and, and sponsorship fundraising that we do each year. So it's, uh, it's, uh, we, we can't get it done without our sponsors. So we just thank them enough. But anokahalloween.com and Anoka Halloween's Facebook page. Excellent. And Rebecca, for people wanting more information about the Anoka County Historical Society and any other websites or social medias that you deem necessary to let us know. Well, we spell Anoka the same way as John, so that would be A-N-O-K-A. AnokaCountyHistory.org is our main website. And from there, you'll find our online collections. You'll find links to buy those ghost tour video tickets. You'll find links to um, just about anything you want to look at in the, the gallery of our collections. And then we're on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook as well at Anoka CO History or Anoka County History. Very nice. Well, folks, again, if you live in the upper Midwest or anywhere else and you want to check out the actual proclamated, declared by Congress, Halloween capital of the world, go to Anoka, Minnesota. You probably will absolutely fall in love with the place. Once again, AnokaHalloween.com, AnokaCountyHistory.org. We want to thank our guests, Rebecca Ebnet Daysens and John Jost, as well as our regular hosts, including Storm. Fantastic conversation tonight. Has me jazz. I'm, I'm glad even in a year like this, we, we find out, you know, neat traditions and small town Halloween events are like this. And again, both of you, I love the fact with the book and the history with it. You know, I, I think even this year it's going to be a little bit more prevalent to see why things like this come, come about, you know, uh, you know, restless teenagers in the twenties, you know, create events like this that a century later we're talking about and celebrating. And I think that's very pertinent to today's times and everything too. So Thanks for your work on it. Looking forward to it. And everybody else, have a happy and safe Halloween. Happy Halloween. Uh, happy I'm Halloween. Shocked. Thanks for having us. I, I'm shocked you didn't give some silly punchline. But that's okay. I Maybe. Well, there you go. Maybe Meat Hook Jim will. You expect a silly punchline out of me, do you? <laughs> well, all I can say is it's been fascinating and long live Halloween. Absolutely. Uh, again, Jerry Vane was not with us tonight. He's under the weather. We wish him a speedy recovery and keep him in your thoughts. I'm sure everything is fine. 
My name is Drew Badger down in Charlotte, where it was a balmy 60 today, so I have broken out the winter jackets because Halloween is next week, folks. Get out there if you get a chance to support your local haunts. If you're allowing trick-or-treating, get out there, do it safely, do the social distancing, and by all means, keep those masks on and not just the spooky, scary ones. Once again, folks, this is the Roundtable of Terror here on The Big Scary Show. It's my bad with multitasking. I can't come up with a funny punchline and Google the size of a U-Haul I need for to fit an eight-foot blinking jack-o'-lantern. <laughs> you didn't hear that from me. Yeah, when it's at least ten foot to allow for extra cushioning. Greetings, friends. We've done it. We've made it to that point in the year that we all wait for. The time when we've taken all this blood, sweat, tears, planning, and and we pour it into our Halloween rituals where, you know, the accumulation of the season and and the greatest part of of, of what we hope for and and Halloween is here. And this year it is truly a Halloween like no other. There are some different challenges and, you know, there's more, you know, streaming than screaming and you know some friends and family we've had to visit with zoom calls rather than calling upon them at their porches but we're creative we're haunters we're making the best of it and we're still going to practice the rituals we do love and enjoy for halloween though with a little bit of a different twist but that's what makes it fun that's what makes it memorable so gather your friends and families that you can around reach out to others you know whether by zoom or ouija board or you know waving high from the lawn or driving by and you know tossing candy on their lawn you can do that too and everything this is this is truly a a a different halloween one of new rituals and and new fun and and excitement and you know the greatest thing with halloween is closing out the year and we're coming to winter and and a new start a new beginning is just around the corner so light those jack-o'-lanterns you know go find the halloween specials you got and 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 enjoy it. enjoy it this year this is the one thing we we can do you know 2020's been so weird so challenging enjoy this moment enjoy this halloween so myself the other hosts of the big scary show nicodemus the podcasting cat i wish you a happy safe and truly truly a halloween like no other Happy Halloween. (laughs) Prelude to a nightmare. Prelude to a nightmare. On the big scary show.
dress up your show? Need to pump new life into old props? Just want to show something no one else has? Do what Alice Cooper, Distortions Unlimited, and A-list haunters all over the world do. Wear Von Karam. Durable, handcrafted, dependable, year after year. Von Karam. When you scare enough to wear the very best. Von Karam.com. V-O-N. C-H-A-R-O-N dot com. What was the incredible secret of the Crypt of the Living Dead? She's smart. 700 years smart. And she ain't about to get sealed up again. Crypt of the Living Dead. Kill me. Put this stake in my heart. Doomed to die one by one. Victims of the Killer Queen. You need more blood. Well, here I am, Anna. Why don't you try me? Crypt of the Living Dead. This tomb must weigh three times. Don't. She's in there. Watch the fantastic horror of Crypt of the Living Dead. Rated PG. Greetings, listeners, and welcome. Watch out. Don't trip over that torso. It's time for Between the Corpses. Greetings, listeners, and happy week before Halloween. Meat Hook Jim here with Between the Corpses. And on this episode, we're going to talk about the Tarajan people of Indonesia. In Taraja society, the funeral ritual is the most elaborate and expensive event. The richer and more powerful the individual, the more expensive is the funeral. In the Aluk religion, only nobles have the right to have an extensive death feast. The death feast of a nobleman is usually attended by thousands and lasts for several days. A ceremonial site called Rante is usually prepared in a large grassy field where shelters for audiences, rice barns, and other ceremonial funeral structures are specially made by the deceased's family. Flute music, funeral chants, songs and poems, and crying and wailing are traditional Taraja expressions of grief, with the exceptions of funerals for young children and poor, low-status adults. The ceremony is often held weeks, months, or years after the death so that the deceased's family can raise the significant funds needed to cover funeral expenses. The Tarajans traditionally believe that death is not a sudden, abrupt event but a gradual process towards Puya, the land of souls or afterlife. During the waiting period, the body of the deceased is wrapped in several layers of cloth and kept under the Tonkonon. The soul of the deceased is thought to linger around the village until the funeral ceremony is completed, after which it begins to journey to Puya. Another component of the ritual is the slaughter of water buffalo. The more powerful the person who died, the more buffalo are slaughtered at the death feast. 
Buffalo carcasses, including their heads, are usually lined up on a field waiting for their owner, who is in the sleeping stage. Tarajans believe that the deceased will need the buffalo to make the journey and that they will be quicker to arrive at Puya if they have many buffalo. Soldering tens of water buffalo and hundreds of pigs using a machete is the climax of the elaborate death feast, with dancing and music and young boys who catch spurting blood in long bamboo tubes. Some of the slaughtered animals are given by guests as gifts, which are carefully noted because they will be considered debts of the deceased's family. However, a cockfight, known as a bulangan longdong, is an integral part of the ceremony. As with the sacrifice of the buffalo and the pigs, the cockfight is considered sacred, but it involves the spilling of blood on the earth. In particular, the tradition requires the sacrifice of at least three chickens. However, it is common for at least 25 pairs of chickens to be set against each other in the context of the ceremony. There are three methods of burial. The coffin may be laid in a cave or in a carved stone grave or hung on a cliff. It contains any possessions that the deceased will need in the afterlife. The wealthy are often buried in a stone grave carved out of a, carved out of a rocky cliff. The grave is usually expensive and takes a few months to complete. In some areas, a stone cave may be found that is large enough to accommodate a whole family. A wood-carved effigy called Tao Tao is usually placed in the cave looking out over the land. The coffin of a baby or child may be hung from ropes on a cliff face or from a tree. This hanging grave usually lasts for years until the ropes rot and the coffins fall to the ground. In the ritual called Manin that, that takes place in each year in August, the bodies of the deceased are exhumed to be washed, groomed, and dressed in new clothes. Now, there's some uh, interesting uh, funeral customs and rites in uh, Southeast Asia. So, uh, um, happy early Halloween. Halloween greetings. Storm here. I'm taking my new friend Mike out trick-or-treating. Mike, introduce yourself. This is Michael Bergen and Jason. Well, yeah, no one uses my first name. Just call me, call me Storm, all right? You, you don't need to use my first name. Mike's never been trick-or-treating, so he, he hasn't even seen people out in costumes and stuff. So I figure it's a great way, you know, go out and show somebody what trick-or-treating and Halloween is all about. And there are a lot of people wandering around out here in some really amazing costumes. What is that thing, dude? Oh my god, look at this thing! Oh my, look at this f***ing thing! No, 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 it's just a zombie. I, it needs no, help, whatever it is, dude, it's dying. He's okay, he's not dying, he's, he's alright. Look at that, Jay! Oh man, that thing's just dead. What the hell is it? No, it, that's just how they cost him. It, it's supposed to look like there's a screwdriver coming that, out of his Jay. head. Look no, he, he's, he's okay. We gotta call the aquarium or something, I, dude. I, 
I don't know what the aquarium would do. Oh my god, that thing looks dead, man! It, it, it's just some kids in costume. It, it's, it's... We're seeing some shit we ain't never seen before, No, kid. no, I, I, we, we've seen this. How, how have you never done this before? Everyone has seen this before. Oh my god, what the f*** is that, bro? Well, we can go get candy. We just gotta go to these doors. Look at that, you know, Jay! Knock, and, and they're gonna give us candy. Oh, man, we need to go get that shit, bro. Oh, man, we need help, buddy. All right, you heard Mike. We're we're gonna go get some. We're gonna go get some of this candy. Jay, so. Jay, we could get some big money for that. Happy Halloween! <laughs> Look at that fucking thing! Oh my God! Holy shit! Passion is what drives us. The passion to be the best. For over 10 years, that passion has taken us from eBay to becoming a driving force in the haunted house industry. And we are just getting started. From flex props to nine foot giants, great details, great looks, and great pricing is the foundation we are built on. Our heart beats Halloween and haunts. We are a creepy collection. Let us deliver our passion to your haunted attraction this season. CreepyCollection.com Now that's creepy. Once again, Frighteners, you welcome to a special Halloween edition of the Weister's Haunted Vista. Boys, you're in big trouble. Without wishing to make light of anyone's personal circumstances, 2020 has definitely been one bow-wow of a year. And not just the COVID situation, but obviously the political situation as well, which I'm going to be so happy is going to be over with in about two weeks. I'm going to blow chunks. You and about 50 million other people, trust me on that. <laughs> Being that this is our last broadcast before Halloween itself hits, I wanted to offer some thoughts and ruminations that I've been having regarding this Halloween season and a few bits and pieces as well. Without wishing to beat a dead horse even deader, and not to mention not to be Captain Obvious, plus as some of the other guys have spoken at length on the subject of the coronavirus, I really, myself, don't feel that this is a permanent change to our society and the way things are going, especially in the horn industry. Eventually, a cure and workable therapies and a vaccine, take your pick of whichever, will be developed and we will get a grip on this thing. I shudder to think what people really consider permanent in regards to this is the way things are going to stay and they won't. I guarantee you that. Some things may change. 9-11 changed a lot of things and this will change a few things as well. But medical science defeated polio. 
medical science defeated smallpox and quite a few other things and if we all keep our heads screwed on in time this will become a thing of the past i don't think it's going to go away 100 percent next year but i also suspect this is when workable therapies and a vaccine will come into its own light by the spring or early summer how that all affect next year's haunt season remains to be seen but this is not the end of our beloved season folks i guarantee that much with that in mind i took into consideration how we were going to celebrate this halloween season first of all this was definitely the season of the home haunter my wife and i've been driving around our local municipalities around dayton ohio and some of the neighborhoods and some people have just gone over the top crazy and in a really good way i mean this was really an opportunity to show your creativity this year yes the commercial haunts have been open some to a varying degrees successful some not and obviously some were dealt death blows by this thing as well but in terms of attendance and in terms of the way it was handled and the differences they had to make not to mention the safety precautions some of them did a very good job i really can't say much i'm talking about this from a second-hand point of view as my wife and i decided to err on the side of caution and we did not visit any commercial haunts this year We'll make up for it next year if all you money possible. Trust me on that. But the stories and the videos on YouTube and some of the reports I've gotten back are very encouraging. You don't have to blow things out of the water, people. Yes, it's an airborne virus, but there's a ways around that too. One thing that really struck home with me is how some old concepts worked very well in the midst of the social distancing issue, where hay rides would go from scene to scene Granted, the scenes were a little further from the spectators, and obviously there was no contact. But as a sort of theater workable show, it was actually pretty slick. Look on YouTube for a few of these. I mean, this really pushed the actors' creativity, not to mention the haunt owners as well, in directions that may have long-lasting impact later on. Granted, the distance thing is going to change with time. I don't believe that this is a permanent situation, as I have just stated. But... In regards to what I saw this year, they made the most of a bad situation in a few cases, and my hat's off to them. Very well done, ladies and gentlemen. Good on ya. Back to the subject of home haunting, my wife and I went for an Adams Family scene on our patio and pushed our cemetery about as far as it can go in regards to spacing and what we have available to us and in terms of lighting and creativity. And we've come to the decision that 2021 will mark a considerable change. There will be a cemetery, but we're going to do a few little bits and pieces we've been meaning to redo for a long, long time. No prizes for guessing because we're not telling yet. But in terms of just a flat cemetery, we really reached a plateau here, and we also decided this is about as far as we can go with it. So we've decided to build things up, but I'm not going to say too much else. For those interested, the Weister's Halloween Haunt Journal, I will have the perspective of 2020 up by November 1st. Hint, hint, I'll probably talk about it in my next segment. But this will be the last of our really major just plain cemeteries, but better is yet to come. Incidentally, my wife and I basically had a few meltdowns and bought some really nice toys this year including an animatronic werewolf that sits on the patio and scares the neighbor's kids halfway to death on a nightly basis. Oh, the joy of it all. Thank you, Home Depot, by the way. Changing gears here. Will somebody please explain to me why all of a sudden CBS doesn't want to run It's the Great Pumpkin Charlie Brown anymore after 54 years? 
That didn't make one bit of sense to me at all. They tried that once before a few years ago, and the public outcry and protestation was so huge, they had to bring it back the following year, so I suspect we're going to see more of the same. But I still don't understand the logic. That is one of the most charming pieces of Halloween memorabilia television that I've ever seen, and still watch on an annual basis, sometimes semi-annual, sometimes more than that, but I'm not going there. CBS does not seem to be making very good decisions in regards to its holiday programming. What are they going to do next? Flush Charlie Brown Christmas and Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer out the window? I don't get the thought behind it, but still, that was really, really strange, especially in a year like this one. Also worthy of note, 2020 marked the 50th anniversary of a show that affected a lot of Chicagoans. No, I'm not plugging Svengulia again. Sorry about that. I'm, of course, referring to none other than Chicago's WGN-TV 9's Creature Features, a show which started in 1970 and from about 1974 forward permanently warped my childhood. This is where I saw all the biggies. Dracula, Frankenstein, the Wolfman, the Mummy, even the original Godzilla and Gamera. My life would not be what it is without this show. I'm not sure how to take that. Hi, Eddie. Whoa. There is a little tribute stone in our cemetery this year. You'll have to look hard to see it, but it's definitely there. But then again, wait for the Vista. That'll be around November 1st. I know. Plug, plug, plug away, Eric. Now, while we're on the subject of the Internet, I wanted to make a quick little note here. Most people have noticed that I'm not on Facebook anymore. The bottom line is this. My account got hacked, and Facebook has been cooperative in helping me getting it back so I'm gonna put this out there for anybody who is in the know who can help me or contact these people so I can get back in there and take possession of what's mine as I said these people are using my account and basically talking to their friends which is somewhere in Pakistan or India I'm not sure on the linguistics but my account is still active and I'd like it back so anybody Please contact me, E-R-V-Y-S-T-H-E-R at W-O-H.R-R.com. And, well, let's talk. And if you've got any inside information, please, I'd really like my page back. Thank you. Changing gears once more, I did want to do a quick trio of album reviews. I know I'm not going to go in-depth. But obviously, the music industry has been pretty low ebb this year for obvious reasons especially in the touring circuit <clears throat> but i will add this three albums came out this year two of which are already available and one i got to hear a sneak peek of that i would highly recommend to all of our friends and fans out there fans we have fans oh boy i'd suck it in if i were you First off would have to be Deep Purple's Whoosh. I know, that's a really funky album title for that long-running band. But in terms of their current lineup, they just keep going from strength to strength. And this really, really hits a satisfying point. Granted, you're not going to get an album like In Rock, Machine Head, or Burn, or even Perfect Strangers again. But in the current lineup and their current context and their age, this is a remarkable record. Mature melodic and it still rocks you'll still hear echoes of in rock and machine head in there but at the same time this is a whole different ball game owing more to the fact of new members guitarist steve morris who's been there since 1996 so much for new and keyboardist don airy ian gillen ian pacey and roger glover still have the purple vibe but this is something altogether different it's still rock and roll, it's still deep purple, but it's a very satisfying record from start to finish. I still love the opening track, Throw the Bones, but there's so much more to it. Go ahead and listen. 
it still rocks, but at the same time, there's also a certain mellow element to it. Well, you go figure it out for yourself. You'll see what I'm getting at, but this really struck me as one of the best albums they've ever done, especially since they revived their career and we're talking about retirement. Doesn't sound like they're going to do that anytime soon. <laughs> Long live Deep Purple. My second choice will have to be the return of my longtime favorite from New York City, The Blue Oyster Cult, and what is probably going to be their final album, a record simply titled The Symbol Remains. Is this on par with the best work they've ever done, like Secret Treaties, Agents of Fortune, Tyranny Mutation, or any of those? No. Take into consideration that of the original configuration, only Eric Bloom and Donald Buck Darmarosia are in evidence anymore. Alan Lanier passed away a number of years ago, and Joe and Albert Bouchard, while being somewhat in evidence there, are no longer full-time members of the group. This is a different band. It has certain AOR tendencies to it, but when the band rocks, the band rocks. Check out The Alchemist. That is one of the best tracks they have done in many years. Not to mention That Was Me and Box In My Head and quite a few others on here. Yes, it's a little too slick. It's a little too smooth in spots. But if this is the last BOC record, I wouldn't count on another one. It took them 20 years to put another one out since 2001's Curse of the Hidden Mirror. Think about it. Then this is a great way for them to go out. I like it quite a bit, and I highly recommend it. It still has the classic BOC vibe we all come to know and love. Now, this album won't be out until about November 13th, but as I have friends in the right places, I've heard more than just the single of Shot in the Dark, and I must say the upcoming ACDC album, Power Up, is a nice addition to their catalog. No, it's not Back in Black, no, it's not Highway to Hell, and no, it's not Let There Be Rock, but it has elements of Powerage, Stiff Upper Lip, Ball Breaker, and some really good songwriting this time around. The current word I've heard is this is probably going to be it for the band. Angus wanted to do a tribute to his brother, and he managed to get Cliff Williams, Phil Rudd, and Brian Johnson all back into the fold. And the efforts definitely speak for themselves. There are elements of Back in Black in here. You will hear some harder stuff. But the sound design is very similar to Stiff Upper Lips. Very clean, very crisp, and very in-your-face. I like it quite a bit, and I can't wait to hear the rest of it. But this is the one to watch. ACDC themselves may have just saved 2020. <laughs> Before wrapping this up, I just want to give my two cents on the idea of trick-or-treat this year. I say it's not such a bad idea. Trick-or-treating is overall an outdoor event, and if kids are wearing masks and they wear the little vapor mask underneath their masks, I don't think it's such a bad thing. We don't come into contact during that sort of thing, and it is an outdoor activity. I mean, don't obviously don't get together in big groups and things like that. Be smart, be wise, but should we flush it completely down the toilet? I disagree highly. No, I don't believe in Halloween parties and dread it. This year, Halloween falls on a Saturday, no less, with a full moon. Ugh. And it's daylight savings time, too. We get an extra hour. Arg. Not fair. But regardless of that, don't flush trick-or-treat down. I think it should be fairly safe. And this is just my opinion. Be smart. Follow what Dr. Fauci and the CDC have been saying in regards to playing it safe while going outside and having a certain amount of social distance, but I really don't think we should completely shut the thing down. 
just my two cents. Regardless of that, I'm going to wrap this one up, and I apologize that this has been a little too talky and too preachy, but it's been a very strange year for a lot of us, and here we are at our favorite season. It just feels a little strange. I'm hoping 2021 will bring better tidings for this. Regardless of that, next time around on the Vista, we're going to take a look in the writer's corner. I was saying I was going to do this for this episode, but I felt things of this nature needed to be addressed. And like I said, I realize this must sound a little bit like Storm's Haunt rant and things like that, but I did want to get my opinion across as well, and I appreciate everyone who did listen to this for taking my opinions and just taking the time to listen to my opinions. But as I said, next time we're going to go into the writer's corner. For those of us who watch horror movies and realize that's a little too ambiguous and a little too easy an exit for so-and-so characters. And we're going to touch on a lot of different films where I thought the endings just lend themselves to little side stories or different ideas for the ending of the characters that were just chopped off too easily. Comments, critiques, suggestions, drop me a line at erweister at woh.rr.com, as I mentioned earlier. And keep an eye on my blogspot page, the Weister's Halloween Haunt Journal, full of news and reviews you can use and abuse and be looking for a big update on what we are up to this Halloween season shortly after Halloween itself. Wrapping this up here, my wife Lisa and I just want to wish everyone a very happy and safe, and please use common sense this year, folks. Happy Halloween for 2020. Enjoy the day in any way you can, as safely as you can. And may your day be filled with treats and no tricks. And may we all meet again for Halloween 2021 under much better circumstances. So until then, always remember Sven Gulli's credo and brush your fangs, comb your face, drink your milk before it clots, bite mama goodnight, and always remember we hid the body because we can hide the body, dang it. Happy Halloween, everyone, and we'll see everyone again in two weeks. Ta-ta until then. Shadow Symphony. The dead are watching on the big scary show.
Hey folks, it's Drew Badger, and as we come to another end of the Halloween season, a season unlike no other, I just want to take a few minutes and say thank you to all of our friends, our fans, our new listeners, our old listeners, for making the show as successful as it has been over the past eight and a half years. I know this has been a crazy season. We have not been able to travel as much as we'd like to. We haven't been able to bring you the interviews, but... We still hope you've had some Halloween fun out there, and we hope you've enjoyed what we've been able to bring to you. So folks, get out there. There's still a week to go before Halloween. It's a full moon. If you get a chance to go trick-or-treating, please do so. Take the kids. Go out and have fun. Grab those haunted attractions while you still can. And even if you can't, just go stand outside next Saturday under the full moon and just reflect on the fact that it is Halloween our favorite time of year. Remember, we will still be here in November, and every month as we count down to Halloween 2021 on The Big Scary Show. Happy Halloween, everyone. As we slide back into the swamp where we hid the body, we would like to thank the following sponsors. Screamline Studios, Dark Imaginings, Von Caron Productions, Haunt Pay, and Creepy Collection. We would also like to thank Virgil Franklin, Master of the Ether Muse, as well as the Fordga hosts, including Storm, Rants and More, HauntMinute.com, The Unknown Scare Actor, Drew Badger, Actor Trainer and Consultant, Find out more at rabidbadger.org. And Jerry Vane, the Haunstrumentalist, for all your heavy metal and haunt needs. jerryvane.com. And finally, you, the listener. Without you, we are nothing. The Big Scary Show is copyright Big Scary Show LLC, and no rebroadcast of this show may be made without express permission of the owners. All music used on The Big Scary Show is used with expressed permission of the artists themselves.